Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Good morning, friends. Grace, mercy, and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's good that we are here, right? Amen? That's what Peter said to Jesus on the top of the mountain of transfiguration, and it was good to be there. It was a real mountaintop experience. The whole Bible was gathered up on that mountain. You had Moses representing the law. You had Elijah representing the prophets. And, of course, you had the New Testament up there on that mountain, the fulfillment of the Old Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And for just a moment in time, the disciples got a sneak peek of the glory of God's Son. This was really a moment unlike any other for Peter, James, and John, unlike any that they had ever experienced. And so Peter was really telling the truth when he said, Lord, it's good that we are here. We are not on top of the Mount of Transfiguration today. Maybe you've noticed we're at a conference center in Kearney, Nebraska. Not the same thing. But wouldn't you agree that it's good that we are here? Amen. You can say amen, right? We're not on top of a high mountain. Moses and Elijah are not on the guest list. We're probably not going to see any bright, shining lights today. But nevertheless, this is a good place to be. It's a mountaintop experience for us at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Our Growing Disciples for Life sermon series has been a real season of encouragement, and it's good to be here today to worship, to celebrate, to give thanks, and to enjoy the gift of one another in our fellowship here shortly. After going through some challenging years, it's been encouraging to see the Lord regrouping us and regathering us and reconnecting us. It's encouraging to see us embracing what it means to be a beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, one who is growing, who's gospel-centered, disciples who are disciples for life. And so it's good to be here, friends, but we can't stay here. Because after one o'clock, Eunice is going to ask us to leave. <laughs> and, um, but really, we can't stay in this experience either, this mountaintop experience. You know, this is exactly what Peter wanted to do. Peter wanted to pause his mountaintop experience, and he wanted to stay there. In our reading from Matthew 17, Peter tells Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And so when when Peter's talking about setting up three tents, what he's talking about is setting up camp. He's talking about remaining, residing, staying in the glory of the moment that he's experiencing. And isn't it true that this is what we want to do with mountaintop experiences? We want to remain in them. We don't want to go down the mountain. Maybe you've had an experience of a mountaintop time in your life, in your faith journey. 
For me, it would be maybe uh, going to a conference or maybe going to a retreat where for a couple days I'm focused in on God's word and prayer and fellowship and there's great speakers and it's a time of great clarity and, and encouragement. And, and during those two or three days out of town at a conference, it kind of feels like life makes sense. I feel connected with God. I feel clarity about my life and my ministry. I feel like I know my purpose But then it's over because the glory of the mountaintop is shattered when you have to wake up at 3 a.m. to get on a 5 a.m. flight. And then when you get on the flight, you're sitting next to somebody who's listening to their phone really loud without headphones. And then you miss your connection and you end up getting home really late and you find out that the smoke alarm is beeping at 3 a.m. and you don't have any batteries. True story. (laughs) And then you go back to work only to find out how incredibly behind you are. And then your family gets sick, and then you get sick too. And you're just really wishing you could go back to the comfort of that mountaintop experience and stay there. But the mountain is typically not where the real growth takes place. It's not the place where God grows us in real discipleship. Real growth takes place down the mountain. The kind of growth that God gives us by his grace takes place down the mountain. It takes place in all the messiness of real human life and relationships and obligations and work, all those things. And that is why Jesus will not let Peter, James, John, you or me or this congregation stay up on the mountain. If you keep reading Matthew 17, maybe you can do that this afternoon, you'll see that after this amazing mountaintop experience, Jesus takes his disciples down the mountain. And what they run into at the bottom of the mountain is a real mess. They meet the crowd that had been down at the mountain following Jesus with the other disciples, the crowd with all of their pain and their problems and their questions. The text tells us that one man from the crowd runs to Jesus with a seemingly unresolvable problem. His son is suffering with seizures, and the disciples who remained at the bottom of the mountain were unable to heal him. In fact, one of the other Gospels says that they were all arguing when they came down the mountain. At the top of the mountain, there's peace, clarity, calm, there's glory. At the bottom of the mountain, there's problems, confusion, inability, immaturity, setbacks. But this is the kind of messiness our Savior uses to form us as disciples into maturity. He comes alongside of us in these messy moments to teach us, to form us, and to reassure us of his grace. This sermon series has been a a mountaintop experience for us insofar as we've gained clarity on what it means to be a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's good. Thanks be to God. But now it is time to take the next steps in our growth as a congregation, as individuals. Sometimes growth feels like a mountaintop experience, but more often than not, growth feels like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
We venture into the unfamiliar, into the uncertain, into the unknown territory where we are no longer in control like we'd like to be. Often our growth as disciples doesn't feel like a mountain. It feels like you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That's why the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace sings, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It's often the dangers, the toils, and the snares where the Lord is forming us as disciples. But if you know the 23rd Psalm, you know that you're not alone in the valley, below the mountain. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know the Psalm. You are with me. And that makes all the difference, right? All the difference. We really don't know what the next steps will be for us as disciples in our growth journey here at Holy Cross. We can make plans, but God can interrupt those. We don't know what's next for us as a congregation, what joys or challenges we'll face. We don't know. But what we do know and what makes all the difference are those four words of the 23rd Psalm, you are with me. Breaking up with cultural Christianity will be hard. It is hard. Letting go of our addiction to consumer Christianity is easier said than done. Old habits die hard, right? Having a growth mindset means getting out of our comfort zones. But what makes all the difference is once again that he is with us, not just on the mountain but in the valley and in the mountain and every moment in between, the hills and the valleys, our God is with us. I think it's interesting that right after our mountaintop experience today, we are entering into the season of Lent. In the church calendar, we celebrate at the top of the mountain of transfiguration, only to be repenting in dust and ashes and reminded of our coming death just a couple days later on Ash Wednesday. It's a big difference, right? On the mountain, down to the valley. We enjoy the glory of Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, and then we descend into the 40 days of Lent, the valley of the shadow of our sins and our struggles. But what's with us in that valley is the suffering, redeeming love of Jesus Christ, always leading us out of the valley and into the joy of Easter. This season of Lent, we're going to be focusing on the theme of reconciliation. Reconciliation with God and with one another. To put that differently, in the coming weeks, we're going to be focusing on how Jesus is the Savior of real sinners, not just pretend ones like you and I might pretend to be sometimes. He is the Savior of real sinners. These 40 days, we're going to focus on how the grace of Christ for real sinners leads us to experience grace and forgiveness and reconciliation with other real sinners. Recognizing that you're a real sinner, not just a pretend one. A real sinner who's called to experience reconciliation with other real sinners who might hurt you, disappoint you, or let you down. That is not easy. It's uncomfortable, but I believe it's the next step in our growth together. 
And we can take that next step of growth together because we have a God who shows us and continues to show us a love that is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. This love is what grows us and gives us the courage to grow even when our growth is messy, painful, or just plain scary. There's a special name for this kind of love that God has for us. It's a Hebrew word. Did anybody learn that Hebrew word in the reading? Chesed, right? You can say chesed or you can get a good guttural in there and say chesed. It's a fun word to say. Just don't say it too close to your neighbor. You might spit on them. Chesed or chesed. In the Old Testament, God's chesed is the glue that held Israel together even when they made every mistake that they could and then some. It's God's unfailing commitment. It's his resolute attachment to his people. It's his love for them that does not fail even when their love for him and others fails. In the New Testament, we call this agape. This is one of those Greek words that we might even know as Christians in the church. Agape is the same thing as kesed. God's kesed, agape, love for his people, it culminates in the flesh and blood person of Jesus Christ. In Christ, God loves us all the way down to the bottom, all the way to the cross, and all the way back to life. This kesed, this agape love that was born of Mary and bled on a cross for you is your only confidence as a disciple. It's what allows you to take risks, feel the burn of growth, even bruise and skin your knees. It's the love that scoops you up and holds you tight and wipes away your tears and sends you back into the battle. This love, this kesed, this agape is the reason why as a church we have publicly named cultural Christianity and repented of it as a community and we will continue to repent of it. Because you see, Christ's love for you and me is far too deep for us to treat it in a trivial, casual way. Jesus does not want a casual relationship with any of us. He wants you for life, for eternity. Christ's love is too burning hot for us to be lukewarm about it, right? This kesed, agape love of Christ for you and me is the glue that holds our discipleship together. It's also the glue that holds our community together. You see, kesed and agape isn't just something that God gives you that you enjoy privately by yourself This gift of kesed agape is a gift that God gives to the church to be shared with one another, a faithfulness, a commitment shared with one another because this is where real growth takes place. If we want to see genuine, deep, lifelong growth at Holy Cross in the years to come, it will require a renewed commitment to one another in our church community. A commitment motivated by God's kesed commitment to us. This is where the real growth takes place in Christian community. When we are glued to one another in kesed covenant love. A community where we're called to experience growth, but always in the context of grace. 
And this is really the purpose of our membership covenants. In the book of Joshua, chapter 4, the people of Israel are experiencing a time of transition. They're leaving their time in the wilderness, those 40 years in the wilderness, they're leaving that time behind and they're moving into new life in the promised land. And as they cross the Jordan River, they commemorate this transition by taking 12 stones from the riverbed of Jordan, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they stack those stones high as a sign, a monument, a memorial that something is being left behind and something new is being embraced. And that is really the purpose of our membership covenants. It's to be like a monument, a sign that we are letting go of one season and we're moving into another. And so after the sermon, as we're singing, Christ be my leader, this is an opportunity uh, for you to join in signing the membership covenant at the end of your booklet on page 62. And so on page 62, uh, there's a membership covenant for you uh, that you keep for yourself as a reminder of the journey that you've been on of discipleship. It's to be kept by you as an expression of your commitment to our new mission statement, growing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Now, for some of you, signing this will simply be a reaffirmation of the vows that you made when you were confirmed, or vows that you made when you joined Holy Cross and publicly professed your faith. It will be sort of like um, if you've ever sang the song, uh, the hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the line it goes, uh, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. What in the world is an Ebenezer? Well, in Hebrew, it means ever etzer. It's, it's, a, it's a stone of help. And if you read in 1 Samuel 7, you'll see the prophet Samuel at a big transition moment in Israel where God had helped his people and promised to help his people. He raised up a stone and called it a stone of help, an Ebenezer. And he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And so that's the way I see these covenants is for each of us to to be able to raise this up and say, God has brought me to this point as a disciple and the Lord is going to be with me in the journey that comes. For others, this covenant may be the first time that you've recognized that you're a disciple. Perhaps the light bulb went on And you heard the call of discipleship loud and clear during this series. And this is an opportunity for you to begin a journey that you're taking for the first time. Now, while we're singing Christ Be My Leader, this is also an opportunity for you to sign one of the copies of the covenants at your table. At the table, everybody has a copy of the Holy Cross membership covenant that we talked about in church last week. And we invite you to sign this, and then you can take it up on your way to communion. So on your way to communion, you'll see uh, there's both a place to leave your offering if you brought an offering. Uh, We won't be passing the plates today. There's also a little basket there where, if you'd like, you can place that covenant there uh, before the Lord. And as you do, I want you to think of this covenant as a stone that you are piling up together with the stones of other disciples. It's a sign, it's a memorial of what we as a congregation are together leaving behind, but what God is leading us toward. And as we each bring our covenants and lay them before the Lord, 
I believe that the culture at Holy Cross is changing. It's tipping towards discipleship, a discipleship mindset, and to God be the glory for that. We are saying that we are leaving behind cultural, casual, comfortable, consumer Christianity, and we are together being led to where Jesus is taking us to be growing as gospel-centered disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Now keep in mind that signing this covenant is not an obligation, it's an invitation. If you treat it as an obligation, as a box that you need to check, you've really missed the point. Signing it and gathering it together with the signatures of others at Holy Cross means that you have embraced a growth mindset and that you are joining us in the path that we are walking as a congregation. And so if you don't sign this today, it doesn't mean you're not a member of Holy Cross. But it is important to know that this is the direction we're walking. And if you have any hesitations or setbacks or just any kind of thing that's keeping you from joyfully and willingly agreeing to what we're doing as a congregation, please, I encourage you uh, to come and speak with me. I'd I'd love to just listen uh, to what hesitations or worries you might have. Um, If any of you in the congregation have had an opportunity to come and and talk to me or express concerns to me, I, I, I think you've had the experience that I've listened to you, that I've had a humble heart before you. And so I encourage you to do that. Um, Just let me know. I'd love to chat with you. These covenants are not made public. Really, our staff will see them. And as our staff sees them, they will simply serve as a source of encouragement for us as we lead you through the valleys and the hills of growth into whatever God has given us to do next. And so, people of God, it is good to be here. But of course, we can't stay here. But God's grace will be with us in every step that we take as a congregation. And so we end now with prayer. And I can't think of a better prayer than the last stanza of the hymn that we just sang. And so if you can turn in your bulletins to the last hymn that we sang, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here." Let's pray together the words of that last stanza. Give you just a moment to get there. Last stanza of the previous hymn, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here." And let's pray together. "'Tis good, Lord, to be here, yet we may not remain. But since thou bidst us leave the mount, come with us to the plain. Amen." (laughs) 